Patrick Pooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope your day started nicely or ending, depending on when you're listening to this episode. Number 24 in the 50 most relevant. For years, this man has been a lone hand at his footy club. And as the side finally looks to have turned a corner, a corner or a kerno, uh, will it continue as business as usual for the leader of the Carlton Football Club? Patrick Cripps is who we're talking about today. And uh, this man would not let me let anyone else on the episode to talk about one of his boys. Hello, Rain Man. Hashtag love child. uh, Yeah, very, very, very happy as usual. I think this might be the third year I've talked about Paddy Cripps. Every time Um, we do the 50 most relevant, you've got him (laughs) just locked away as your boy to talk about. Yeah, well, it would be hard for me to be in love with this guy more. So just uh, for the listeners out there, this is going to be an extremely biased podcast just as a precursor. Well, from you, I'll I'll try to bring some objectivity (laughs) to it. He he is a pretty special fantasy footballer when we look at the fantasy formats as a totality. Still just the 24 years old, crazy to believe. This Blues midfielder is an absolute superstar of the competition. His best score in AFL fantasy and dream team last year, well, it came against the Gold Coast it was a 163, while in Supercoach, just narrowly missing, joining the elite bracket of those that have cracked the 200. He had a 194 in that, what was a surprise victory for many, against the Brisbane Football Club last year. Crazily enough, we could say it was a down year from a scoring perspective from Patrick Cripps. Just the 101.4 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and the 117 in Supercoach. She is priced just over 630000 in that format of Supercoach. Just a touch over seven fifty in AFL Fantasy and $733,400 in Dream Team. And Rayman, it's crazy to think that the guy that gets his second All-Australian for two years in a row and is awarded the AFLPA award for the year had what was a year that was down on what he did the year before. Yeah, he did actually. He started like a house on fire, but then uh, the, the couple of well-publicised games where he got some attention and, and seemed to affect him a little bit. So I think that kind of accounts for his variability and certainly in the back end of the year, he kind of just ping-ponged between monster score, low score, um, which has brought his price down, which just means there's enough value there that... Uh, you know, I didn't think I could uh, select this guy any quicker, but I probably did this year. Yeah, he's had one of the, the most fascinating years to kind of look at. So much took place for Carlton in that year. Uh, different players moving in and out of that midfield, new coaches, arguably a new game plan that came with that, some heavy tags, some teams that absolutely chose to just go, we'll be fine, we don't need to tag him, <coughs> Adelaide. Um, there was so much that <laughs> happened in that year for him, but when you break down his stats, he averaged 28 disposals a game, 3.1 marks, uh, was one of the best contested players in the game and has been for a number of years averaged 17 contested possessions six and uh almost six and a half tackles 8.5 clearances a game that is elite um as well as over three inside 50s a game he's one of the most elite inside ball winning midfielders that arguably we've seen in the modern era and yet he's not even in his mid-20s yet yeah, he's just a bull, and, and it, it always amazes me when you actually see him up close. You know, he's the height of Nick Rewald, 
Um, but he's solid, you know, he's 93, 95 kegs. And just looking recently, he's actually worked a lot with Colton's new fitness coach in Russell and he's shed about three to four kilos. So he is looking like an absolute monster this year he's with, I think, a little bit more aerobic capacity to help spread from the contest, which will only help his possessions. Absolutely. You know, he's been predominantly very one-dimensional in his scoring where it's a lot of been first-touch footy as marks have never been super high um, and you know not a lot of midfielders are Lockie Whitfield or Andrew Gaff where they're through the roof and and so the thought that he could get more out of his body to get to more contests or to get to more ball outside of the contest is a mouth-watering thought for fantasy coaches last year in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy uh, 101 was his seasonal average that was the lowest he's done for a number of years coming off the back of that 109 in 2018 um, only missed a couple of games last year too 10 tons in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and six of those were over 120 including a couple of big Big, big scores that we will talk about. Supercoach, 117 was his seasonal average. 13 tonnes and nine of them were over 120. And we do talk about ceiling with him. We'll get to the basement a little bit later on. But in terms of ceiling, check out these captaincy sort of scores. 163, 151, 141, 136 in Dream Team and Fantasy. 194 in Supercoach, 169, 157, 152, 148. When you put the captaincy or vice captaincy and loophole those numbers through, not many players in the game can do those sort of scores in our midfield. No, he, he certainly has the ceiling. And I know uh, now probably a couple of weeks ago, we talked around Lockie Neal. Yeah. Um, and he, he's another that has a, a very similar ceiling. But I think the benefit that Cripps has over somebody like Anil is that what he also does quite well, and we saw it in that game against Brisbane, he went forward and kicked four goals. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's got the ability, because he is so big, he's so mobile, that he can add that string to his bow. And to be honest, he didn't do actually do a lot of that uh, last year. So, yeah. again, you talk about room for growth. I think he's got a lot of ability to actually make those numbers even higher. Yeah, well, you go back and, like I've said a few times in this episode, he had a dip in scoring in 2018 that year. um, The good news for coaches, if you're curious, he played every game, that's going to help you, um, is in 2018 in AFL Fantasy, he had 14 tons. Five of them were over 130, which included a 162 against the Suns. He loves beating up on Gold Coast. And on the run home in 2018, he was on an absolute tear with 10 of his last 11 games games being 100 or more and the one that wasn't was a 96 so nothing really to sneeze at there over in Supercoach that year 16 tons of his 22 games an insane 4 over 150 and a ridiculous 2 over 170 Um, and to top that off uh, he had just one score all year below 90 so that's what he did in 2018 so that's what we know he's capable of and if we look at how he started the year across the formats He just didn't put a foot wrong. Between round one and round eight in Supercoach, he had just one score under 100, and that was a 93. Every other score was 110 or higher, while in Dream Team and Fantasy, he had multiple tons. Six of his opening games were tons, and his lowest was a 93. So he started the year just how he ended the 2018 season, and then pretty much from round nine... Everyone realized what we've known for a long time. If you want to stop the impact of Carlton, at that point in time, there was only one man you needed to stop, and it was Patrick Cripps. 
And Matty DeBoer certainly did that in round nine. Yeah, he really put the clamps on him. And we talked only recently around uh, Clary Oliver and how he'd done that as well. So, you know, DeBoer is going to be a threat for any midfielder that comes up against him. Mm. And I think you just need to wear that a little bit. But you you can balance that out with the ceiling that he has. So, yes, he did get a 66 against DeBoer. But uh, around that was that first eight games, you know, in Supercoast, that average was 127. Yeah. Or 135 for his first five. So you're a little bit swings and roundabouts there. Yeah. Um, And I think the benefit of this year is with him shedding a few kilos and also with Teague coming in and changing up how they kind of structured that midfield uh, from when he came in with a few more big bodies i.e. Kerno, um, a development of Setterfield. And mm. I think this year they'll probably run Jack Yunes a little bit just for crash and bash in the midfield. Um, I think that's only going to help support him. So when that glove does come, he's got some support that can um, give a bit of trouble to that tagger and hopefully free him up a bit. We, we saw a really consistent back end of 2018, a really consistent front end of 2019, really. It was around about 15, 16 games that he didn't drop below 90 and was just pumping out tons and big ceiling tons through there too. But then when you look at what happened in the back half of the year and very much that game against GWS, we started to see a lot of scoring variation the lows of 40s and 50s and 60s and then the highs of 190s and 150s was that uh, and we will talk about what happened pre and post Bolton era in a moment but was that just teams figuring him out was that fatigue on his body just carrying the side or is that just part and parcel of owning Patrick Cripps I think I think it's probably the first two and maybe a little bit of the third. Sure. It's really hard to release your hands and fire out handballs when you're carrying the whole Colton team on your back. Mm. Um, and that's what he was doing. And there was absolutely a load issue with that, I think. And that was seen around by time where he then had a couple of additional weeks. And to be honest, I think that was just resting. He needed that to get his body right. Yeah. Um, but there, there is a piece around trying to understand how that midfield works. And there will be some new dynamics from everything I'm reading and hearing uh, this year with you know guys like uh, another year under Walsh and Setterfield. Yeah. Murphy, whether he stays there or plays a bit forward, is probably a little bit open. Mm. They'll have a few more outside runners with, you know, a Jack Martin will run through on the outside. Lockie O'Brien will continue to develop and run through. And even maybe a, a Paddy Dow and Zach Fisher. So I think what that will help Cripps in, in trying to find that first possession out because then he gets on the rebound of that as well. So I think that's going to help him. But I think it's actually a mark of the kind of player that he is, that he did have those down games, particularly in the back end of the year with, you know, some 60s, 70s and 80s. But they were a week and then the next week he would bounce right back. Yeah, get you with the 130, yeah. Exactly, that real variability, which I think shows what kind of guy he is. He's a very proud footballer. He's Mm. a very professional in the way that he prepares. So it's very rare that you would ever see two down games in a row from Paddy Cripps. Yeah, it's very true. Um, in terms of the scoring split of what it was like under Bolton and what it was like under Teague, gosh, it's almost identical, isn't it? Yeah, it, it wasn't much difference at all because I, I think we saw that consistency at the first part of the year when he was under Bolton and, and he was you know, doing it all pretty much because yeah. there was no support from a Kurnow or a Murphy. They were playing weird roles up forward or, you know, Kurnow in particular was kind of doing a forward tagging role. Yep. When that changed in the back end of the year, we did see that variability come through again. Yep. Um, but the, the, as it was balanced around. So that average stayed pretty much the same because it was average with those 150s down to a 70 week on week. Yeah, no, I, I really like Patrick Cripps. He, he probably lends himself to being more super coach 
um, favourable in terms of his scoring. But like we talked about Clayton Oliver just days ago, and we have seen historically with Paddy Cripps, again, he was coming off a 2018 season where he was just point, you know, less than a point away from averaging 110. So he's far from irrelevant in that format. He does lend himself to be more of a super coach favourite for people to really go after. I, I think there's value in AFL fantasy and dream team formats in terms of Carlton's fixture. Um, they're going to open up as they do every year against Richmond. Then there's not a heap of taggers coming through. The Bulldogs, Essendon, do they run with Clark or do they not? Round four at Sydney, George Hewitt could end up getting sent to him um, and, and did a reasonable job uh, on him last time, was followed around by him in, in the second half after he started to get off the chain a little bit. Then it's Hawthorne, Howe's done some run with roles. Jacobs, if he's fit and firing, might do some run with roles. But but really, there's no Matt DeBoer um, for a considerable amount of time in terms of the guy that stopped him um, and really slowed him down. Jack Steele's being talked about as not playing that negating role who's in at round eight. Um, and, and so you're getting up to about round 12, I think it is, when they play GWS. So there's a decent run through there. Yeah, and I think I think he's a really a start this year. I like how they're um, structured up, how the actual run of early matches actually look. And look, I think we all think, or certainly the biased ones, i.e. me, <laughs> think the Colton are on the improve, but yep. they are also hard to get a read on. But if, if you look at his variability between wins and losses, and not that there's too many in the W column, there's not a lot of variability in his scoring. No. So I think you know exactly what you're paying for. You know what you're going to get. He's just a lock lock the door and throw the key away, I think. Yeah, I, I think he's a really good option. His ownership already, when you, Supercoach has been open for around about a week um, now that this episode is out, his ownership is quite high. Is there a point in time where... It becomes one of two things for coaches. Again, just purely narrowing on super coach for a moment. Um, is it a point where his ownership gets so high that you have to start him? Or is there an argument to be made that, look, maybe he's the right guy to take on with a, a less popular option, maybe like a Clayton Oliver, who's shown he can score in a similar vein? Yeah, and it absolutely could be as well. So he shares an interesting buy with uh, people with the likes of Fife, Trelaw, um, you know, Adams Pendlebury, if you want to go that way. Yeah. But real super coach, Fife, Trelaw and Oliver. Yep. So if you were looking for some buy balance, you could absolutely do that. You know, you could you could even run with a Trelaw who, whilst he might be popular in Dream Team and Fantasy, is will probably be an under 10% in super coach. Mm. Um, so there's absolute argument to do that. Um, I, I think you've just got to know what you're taking on because yeah. a guy that can pump out 194s and, yeah. you know, four or five scores over... 14150 yeah. it, it's a big risk to take I think yeah that, you, you look at through the guys that we've got available through our midfield that have or can push that 200 barrier we, we are talking about you know if uh, a fit Tom Mitchell is certainly able to do that where he's at in the 50 most relevant and in his ability to get back to his best is is a little bit unknown Jackson McRae can do that Dunkley can do that Dangerfield can do that Fife can do that um and Cripps it's and there are others I know you could build the case for, but but it is rare air that you can go one ninety plus and Crips is in that for Supercoach. Absolutely, um, there, there, there's not many at all. And that game that against Brisbane, where he had those thirty eight disposals, seven marks, and four goals, was one of the most complete games that I think you will ever see. Yeah. But it just looks like he could repeat that again. You know, if, if the conditions are right and everything goes his way. He kind of just does those 150s, 160s, 170s, 
um, without too much of a sweat. Yeah, he certainly does. He, he's a fantastic player to own. Really, really fun uh, to own in a draft because you know at any point in time he can go full beast mode and absolutely destroy your opponent in a draft. Uh, to be honest, mate, again, in Supercoach, well, let's talk about that format, he's your M1. No, make no mistake about it. And if he isn't picked in the opening round, gosh, he won't last long in the second. No, exactly. He's yeah. He he's probably uh, if not the in the first three midfielders, certainly fourth or fifth. Yep. Um, depending on how you structure your draft in Dream Team Fantasy, it's slightly different because he is quite biased towards Super Coach. Yeah. But I think you could he would slip to the second round, but I I don't think he'd be there late second round. Um, if he is, and and you could somehow grab him as an M three because there might be some more popular of some of the boys that burst out of the blocks last year, like Dunkley or Taranto or some yeah. of these guys. Jeez, if you could get him at M3, <sighs> uh, you'd be a happy camper. Would you ever? I agree. I, I can't see him sliding past the top uh, 15 picks overall in Supercoach. Um, maybe, you know, if he slides into that early second, you still feel like you've won your draft, knowing what he can do. He's ranked in terms of pure mids for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team at 21 for average, based off his 2019 data. Um, and by name alone, he, he'll go in the second round, potentially in some drafts. That you could be drafting against Rain Man, and he just goes, I want my boy, stuff yours. I'm going for him. <laughs> but you're right, I do see a world where people try to lock away those forwards or those defenders that are at the top of the tree. Um, I do. I agree. I see a world where he could be available in the third round, and someone can go mid, 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 and someone like Paddy Cripps as your third midfielder. Whew. Yeah, I like that. It's a world I want to live in, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's called a dream world, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, many coaches choose to live in that place. Hey, appreciate your thoughts as we talked about your boy. Anytime, MJ. Thank you. Yes. No, I think if we had your choice, the 50 most relevant would be just different discussions about <laughs> Patrick Cripps and different Absolutely. games. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, maybe next year we'll head into that territory. If you want to go check out the article on Cripper, you can do that at coachespanel.tv. Check out the other 25, 26 players we've revealed so far. We are into the downward half of the 50 most relevant and the players that really are, I believe, going to shape your fantasy football season. If you're loving these podcasts, make sure you leave a rating and review where you choose to get your podcast and hit subscribe. So as soon as they're live, you get notified straight to your device. The number 23 and the 50 most relevant, you're going to love this player. Here's what I'll tell you. Footy Rhino joins me on the episode. If you're a longtime fantasy footy fan, you'd love his work. He's on board the podcast to chat about a player that I'm excited about, their 2020 potential.